0: En Solo Venex seguimos tras el paso del talento vinotinto que hace vida en otras latitudes. Hoy es el turno de Sonia María O'Neill Caroli, la última incorporación de la selección femenina de Venezuela.
1: The Absolute Value Podcast is brought to you by Jaybird Sports, high-performance wireless audio for athletes. Power your passion. Sonia Maria O'Neill, what's up, man? How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. A bit tired from my workouts earlier.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness! I saw them on Instagram. I think he, you're, you're out working. Everyone else in your team.
0: <laughs> Trying to.
1: That's awesome. Uh, we got
0: a group of hard workers, so.
1: That's awesome. Do you guys ever get uh, on on Zoom or or Facetime and workout together?
0: Um, we haven't yet, but we are planning to. With the time difference, it's a bit difficult for me. Right, um, right. But I do do like group Facetime calls on Snapchat. We have a group chat going, so that's awesome. We still keep in touch a lot.
1: That's so fun. Well, listen, I'm super excited to have you on the show today. You went from playing in France to one of the biggest clubs in Europe, uh, Rangers FC, and you've become an overnight sensation.
0: Sonia O'Neill.
1: Sonia O'Neill. Sonia Maria O'Neill. Sonia O'Neill, people, you have to remember this name. She's going to be one of the best signings Rangers FC has made in a while. Now with all that buzz around you, tell us about the transition to Scotland from playing uh, in in France and and playing for such an organization like Rangers.
0: It's been incredible so far, Um, the community, the fan base. It's extremely supportive, like all around from the coaching staff to the people higher up. The Rangers club feels more like a family compared to maybe some clubs I've been to in the past. And I mean, the facilities are incredible. Everything's professional. Before the coronavirus, of course, everyone shakes everyone's hands from the youth to the first team. Um, But it's just really professional. My coaches... um, are great people on and off the pitch like they are still calling me to check up on me making sure i'm okay um their practices the sessions are very intense they manage our loads everything is super professional from the gps tracking the uh, load management the workouts um the food we receive there too is good i was surprised by that when i saw a dining hall i was a bit nervous but the food's incredible and actually the chef's help us by letting us know the recipes and all of that. So it's just all around professional. You know, the girls are really supportive, fun group as well. So I'm really enjoying the club so far.
1: Isn't it neat to see such a big club in Europe investing so much time and effort, energy and love into the women's side of football?
0: Yes, it's actually like, of course, the first um, season that Rangers FC has gone fully professional on the women's side. And, you know, just the plans they have for us in the future are you know higher than what anyone would expect or know and just seeing how much support and they're putting into it the media as well they're you know like even the media is very professional a lot of contents put out and everything it's just incredible to see and of course you know knowing that we're inspiring the next generation of girls especially in scotland you know they now have something to look up to they have professional footballers in their city or their town where they can look up to them
1: that's amazing it's really neat to see that and most importantly that you're part of it um, and and you can tell they've invested in the space because they've signed somebody like yourself somebody with an incredible resume you started your career as a professional in sweden you went to arguably one of the biggest clubs in europe is roma you went to Barre, you went to france and now you end up at rangers but what a lot of people don't realize is that that road there was not an easy one. And it was definitely tough to get to that worldwide stage. But what was it like to grow up in a place like Toronto, Canada?
0: Well, yeah, a lot of people, you know, they, they'll mention like, oh, you're so lucky. Like, it's not luck. It was a lot of hard work. And I think my path was a lot harder than people realize, mostly because I do keep a lot of my stuff private. But, you know, growing up in Toronto, um, I had very supportive parents to begin with. Um, They were very supportive, they did let me play football, they were all all for it. With that being said, my dad was very, very, very hard on me. I remember when I was like eight years old, my team had lost 13 or 14 nothing, and he was just yelling at me in front of everyone. I was bawling my eyes out. My mom's like, please, please leave her alone, there's other players on the field. You know, but he was holding me accountable for the loss. And I didn't see that then, and you know, like I took it hard. But me and him had a good relationship up until about, I think, high school. He lost his mother and father a year apart on the same day. And then he lost his best friend, who passed away in his arms, actually. This took a huge hit on him. And actually, a psychologist had said, like, a part of his brain had, like, shut off due to trauma. And it led to my dad, you know, being very aggressive and really, really hard on me. My dad was actually the manager of one of my club teams and so he was at every single game and stuff which you think would be great but during this time you know he was having a hard time recognizing who I was, um, his actions, he wasn't aware of his behavior and so he's a very abusive to me verbally in front of people and behind scenes but I was in a situation where this is someone that had been supportive in my life and you know they're going through something so you stick by it and try to you know help them but in the end it was hurting me even people around me were like surprised with you know how hard my dad was on me like yelling even at spanish league we we played futsal and it was with guys and people would hear the way he's yelling at me in english and spanish mind you he's not the spanish one um looking back at it it helped me a lot and it helped develop the character and i have now as a person and a player so i went away to college and It's not easy to leave home at 17, you know, and I had a coach in college and she was afraid to yell at certain players on the field because they were very sensitive or not good at taking criticism. So I remember there was one game specifically, she was just yelling at me, you know, like just reaming me on the field, even when I wasn't the one making the mistake, it was other players, but it didn't bother me at all. In fact, like I just kept playing because I was so used to that from a young age that I was able to take that as a positive thing that that person cares for me rather than taking it as a negative. And after, actually, after the game, she had said that the reason why she yells at me so much is because she knows I can take it. Where if she yells at other players, they shut down. So instead of yelling at them, she wants to get her frustration out. So she would yell at, yell at me, which, you know, I, I was fine with it. And I think, you know, thanks to my dad. I do have tough skin, so for that situation in high school, like it wasn't easy at all. Um, a lot of staying at friends' houses, this, that, but it ended up helping me in the long run, I think, and helped me become who I am now, and the reason I've been able to go this far in football, overcoming a lot of things, a lot, a lot of things people don't realize you would see, especially in women's football.
1: Now looking back, I can only imagine how difficult it must have been for you at a young age. To not only experience this, but also see your father, who you love, trust, and admire, go through that as well. Because you know that's not him. It's just a reaction to the environment that he was experiencing. Looking back at all of this awful negatives, uh, per se, what positives did you gain from this whole experience?
0: Yeah, like you said, you know, it wasn't wasn't easy to see that because I'm so used to being the little girl that sees him at my cross country meets, my football games, my basketball ones, you know, he was at every single event. Going to that, it was obviously difficult for, for me to see, but even more difficult for me to have to sit him down when he was healthy and tell him what he had done. That, I think, was hard, the hardest thing for both of us, you know, but at the end of it, it made our relationship a lot stronger. And I'm extremely thankful for how hard he was on me because, again, I don't, I think if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have made it to where I am now and overcame a lot of the things I had to face. You know, like I wasn't that girl that had things handed to me or where you can have those opportunities easily. I always had to work double and my dad always prepared me, I guess. He was preparing me for what I was going to face.
1: It's interesting to to hear you say that. and And now I assume that your relationship with your dad is great. What's your relationship like now, you know, many years after this experience happened?
0: our relationship is great now Um, he recently visited me in Scotland he's come to Italy to watch a match you know like I keep in touch with him Um, I keep him involved in my business side of things apart from him being my father and talking to him as my father I also have him on the business part of it because like I said when I was younger he was manager of a lot of my teams you know he tried to be involved yeah now we talk almost every day about football non-football things we joke around we're extremely competitive whether it's playing pool fifa whatever it is he's horrible at fifa (laughs) and he gets frustrated when i say that (laughs) so that's great
1: i'm sure he's listening to this episode um what would you say to him
0: it's not only what i would say to him but what i would say to everyone about him We're all human and make mistakes and he was that father that would literally like take the clothes off his back lay them out for me if it meant that I wouldn't have to get one speck of dirt on my shoe walking to school he was that type of father so to see him go through that and that negative impact on him that led to negative impact on me you know I think it's what brought our relationship even closer now and even stronger and you know again I'm beyond thankful for it because I think without him and without these experiences I wouldn't be where I am now so I'm extremely thankful for literally all the sacrifices he's made. I've watched him work his butt off so much just to get me where I am now.
1: Well, I know he's really proud of you, and I know he's a good dude. And, and, and he's, he, I know that he looks at that time as, uh, as something difficult for him and for you. And, and I know that he's ashamed of it, but he's a good guy. And, and I, I know for a fact he's proud of you. on top of all of this i know that you didn't have the luxury to play for travel teams for those of you who are listening to this episode who may not know in in america and in canada uh, it's a little bit different than other countries you have to pay to play and usually the best clubs uh, in our areas are usually pretty expensive but you didn't have that luxury you didn't have the luxury to play pay for a travel team or for some amazing academy how did that shape you as a person and as a player
0: i'm um, honestly believe it or not, I'm grateful for that, because what I'm seeing now is a lot of the girls that did have access to that, and not, they didn't, it's not that they weren't working hard, they but the ones that were, had that easy access, you almost see them fizzle out after college or during college, because when the hard parts come, they're not prepared for it, or having to work double than someone else to achieve the same result, if that makes sense, so, you know, in, for example, in Toronto, um, a travel team can cost thousands and that's not including the tournament just to go down to the state to states to get noticed so actually one um one coach i had here um he was ecuadorian and he would i i became really close with him he's like a second father to me lorenzo redwood um he would coach the teams and you know because he was the coach and he would take my dad as the manager it helped lower the fees a bit for me but then going to an academy i finally got an academy team but again it wasn't like a luxury one and basically he was a Jamaican coach uh, junior grows he said to me go out I'll make you this paper go out find sponsorship so me and my dad especially my dad we went out looking for sponsorship just to get me to be able to play with this season I came back and it wasn't the full amount it was nowhere near the full amount but he looked at me and said I see you're committed I see you work hard I see you got a father that's willing to work hard for you you can play for me and so that's how I did it. It was just showing my character that he basically did that to see my character and the character of my dad. And he saw it and then he supported me. So, uh, again, it just goes to show that, like, you don't need those thousand dollars or whatever to make it. You just need to obviously work hard and just show your character and show who you are and how bad you want it.
1: I think the key word there is hard work. Anyone that follows you on social media knows you're a hard worker. This story that you just shared shows that you're a hard worker and you're willing to do anything to achieve your dreams and goals. Now, what gives you that motivation uh, to be self-driven?
0: Yeah, I would say when I was younger, like, um, I relied on my talent a lot. And as I started getting older, you know, I started realizing, well, wow, I have to work double to get the same opportunity as someone else. But then I became self-motivated for the simple fact that I, I can't stand the idea of someone else outworking me but also like suffering an ACL injury and coming back from that, it made me realize how much I appreciate being told to get on the line and sprint, believe it or not, (laughs) when you can't run for months. Another big reason why I'm self driven is because, you know, I spent all these years chasing after this and I sacrificed a lot, a lot of time from family and friends, um, you know, leaving home at 17. So for me to only make it halfway or 70% of the way, would have to me would be that all that time that I spent away from family and friends would have been a waste and like losing my friend at 18 years old he passed away on the field that to me just showed like it really hit me hard and made me realize like I'm sacrificing time away from them I better make it worth it so I guess a lot of little things um help me become more self motivated but I'm also all, that type of person when I put something in my head and I want that uh, like I make sure it happens
1: You and I have been working for a while together, and every time somebody asks me about you, um, I always describe you with one word, and that's humble. What does humility mean to you?
0: To me, that's the best compliment I can receive. Um, You know, I've seen a lot of people become great and make it to the top, and then it's almost like they forget who they were, where they came from. And I don't think that just writing a check and handing it to a community, like, means you're a humble and a good person so to me it just means that no matter where i go or what i do um, to remain with both feet on the ground and remember how hard my parents had to work to give me the opportunity that i have and basically to show other kids that they can do the same especially with support i've received like you said almost overnight on social media you know a lot would think it's gone to my head or something like that but i just never get too high or get too low, I, you know, I just try to stay grounded. And I think that's important. And I I hope that most people, most athletes, you know, remain humble. One of the main reasons I think, like I remain humble is because even if you're getting a million positive comments saying you're the best, you know, everyone has a different opinion, just like some think Messi are and some think Ronaldo are. so you should never get too ahead of yourself because somewhere out there, there's like, someone better than you or someone prettier than you or someone, you know, that people will admire more. And it doesn't mean that one person's greater than the other. So I just think it's best to stay level and remain grounded.
1: And it's a good attribute to have, especially at the platform that you have, because you could influence a lot of people and, and you never know who's watching or listening to you. And I think humility is always something that will characterize who you are. And I'm very proud to be affiliated with you. For all those Ranger fans who have been seeing you play this season, they can tell that you're one of the most competitive players on the pitch. For any person starting out their career right now, any sport, doesn't matter if it's basketball, football, whatever it may be, what two or three tips would you give them to become a lot more competitive?
0: One of the main things I would say is taking criticism. I've noticed like a lot of people aren't taking that as well and are being a bit sensitive to it. But if you want to be one of the best, you've got to be able to take criticism. And use it to fuel yourself to you know do well and play well another one i would say is that everyone says it to work hard but outwork everyone those days that you don't feel like working out like i did not feel like going to run 10k buying you somewhere out there someone's outworking me if i don't so i went and did it and the last thing i would say is you know to be patient and know when to switch on in the sense of you know like i'm very calm uh, my personality is very chill. But when I'm on the field, I am like an animal. Like, you're not getting by me. It's either the ball or you, but not both. You know, and I had that mentality that you're not going to beat me. I'm better than you. So I would say the, being confident and being patient, knowing your time's coming. You know, like my first game with the Rangers, I wasn't starting. I didn't pout. I didn't complain. I stayed patient, went on the field, did what I needed to do. You know, and the next game I was starting. And if one of these games I'm not starting, I'll have the same mentality. Because at the end of the day, you got to trust what your coach is doing, accept the criticism and just be ready to show what you can do and have that confidence in yourself.
1: Now, your mom is Venezuelan. I'm proud of it. She uh, she's raised you to be a very proud Venezuelan yourself, eating arepas and, and the whole nine yards. Now, last year, you got the wonderful opportunity to represent your country. What did that mean to you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I got the call, and it's crazy. Um, I, you know, I'm religious, so those couple months, you know, um, in France, uh, of course, I was happy to be in France, but I was in a place where, you know, I wanted a sign, a sign from God, something. I was, you know, just praying for more, basically being thankful for what I had, but a, a sign that I should keep pushing through and with my fo- football career. And, you know, I got the call. Um, from Pamela and you know she was very persistent with me and I liked that it showed that she wanted me and she saw my talent so she called me you know and I'm huge on feelings and I just got a good feeling with talking to her and you know after going to the camp everything my mom talked about growing up she would talk about how girls in Venezuela their personality she would try to explain it to me like the personality of her friends and this and that and Everything from my cousins, my family, you know, what I learned when I went there, I felt it. I felt it all. And it felt like a second home to me. And to know that I can represent my country, because to me, I represent Venezuela in my heart, you know, with my family. So when I got that call to me, it just felt right. And it felt good, you know. and When I went to the camp, I really enjoyed being with the girls. You know, they welcomed me like their own. You know, I'm the gringa of the team but they you know I love it the teasing everything it was all good vibes and of course to know that I am ab- able to represent a country and possibly make history is an incredible feeling and the support from the fans have just been another level I did not expect that at all and to see that support is incredible
1: ¿Qué le dirías a todos los venezolanos escuchando este episodio?
0: A todos los venezolanos quiero decir que sé que mi español no es perfecto sé que tengo acento sé que nací en Canadá Pero mi familia, mi corazón, mi sangre, mi mi personalidad es venezolana. No quiero nada más que hacer historia y competir en la Copa Mundial. No solo para mí, sino para todos ustedes. Estoy agradecida por su apoyo. No podría ser más bendecida y orgullosa de representar a mi país. Espero vestir la camisa de la vinotinto muy pronto.
1: La vinotinto. That was awesome, Sonia. I think that's shout out um, for all those that don't speak Spanish. She literally said that she may be she might have been born in Toronto uh, and, and be Canadian, but her blood and her her country is Venezuela. And that's who she's representing. And she can't wait to make them proud. I, listen, I, every time I hear you speak about the Venezuelan national team, I feel the sense of pride that you have for your culture and your community. And I think you just expressed that you you were always told about this other world. But then you go to the Venezuelan national team camp and then you immediately feel at home. You feel like you have never, you were never missing this piece of your life. And I think it's pretty neat.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like, of course, I speak with all my cousins and stuff, but that's your family and you're used to that. But to have now a family outside of my immediate family that's Venezuelan, it's it's a great feeling.
1: For all those listening, I know this sounds corny. Especially because she's from Toronto and Drake is from Toronto, but you literally started from the bottom and now you're here, top of the world stage, playing for some of the biggest clubs in the world. For anyone who is listening to this episode, who is battling with the major obstacle as they try to achieve their goals, what would you say to them?
0: I would tell them to just keep working hard, as corny as that sounds, and stay patient because, you know, that moment that you think you should give up or stop doing what you're doing. Like, I almost had that m- moment in. Uh, September October 2019 and look in a couple months I got called to the Venezuela national team I'm now playing for the most successful club in the world I would say stay patient and you know make sure you're not getting outworked by anyone be competitive focus and don't use any of your you know challenges or problems in your life as an excuse because we're all just a kid from somewhere
1: that's awesome very inspirational thank you for sharing that and Sonia Maria I've had your back from day one you never cease to amaze me I'm so damn proud of you a little girl from Toronto who goes out and makes an amazing career in Europe now playing for one of the biggest clubs in the world Rangers FC and I cannot thank you enough for coming on this show and I'm humbled for being part of your career so thank you so much for coming on
0: thanks for having me on me show my story I won't until we on only going stop, stop, stop. I won't fall.
1: you for tuning in to another episode of the absolute value podcast don't forget to subscribe this episode was powered by telcrum a full service sports agency all rights reserved